0: You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Ireland's the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world, and you know, that may be um, kind of a a loaded sentence there. Basically just means that if you go up and ask an Irish person if they're Christian, they'll say, yeah, I'm a Catholic. All right, do you go to church? No. Do you read your Bible? No. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian to me. Uh, And so... Um, just, you know, I, I want to give you a little bit of background about myself. Uh, I grew up in, in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. That's going to tie in with, with the whole Ireland thing and why God has called us to Ireland. But I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. Uh, we grew up exactly like that. If somebody asked us what we were. I would have said, I'm a Catholic, right? Never been in a church. Well, maybe I'd been in it when I was a baby because I got baptized as a baby, but, uh, I never purposefully went to a church. Never purposefully opened up the Bible and started reading it. Didn't know what Jesus was about. Didn't know God's plan of redemption from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I, I felt like I was somebody who, who always wanted to fit in. I felt like I had identity issues back then, more when I was in middle school, you know, coming of age 13. I had no idea what group of people I was supposed to fit in with. Uh, And so a lot of my friends at school, they started getting into, you know, drugs and drinking and, and, and all this stuff. And I said, you know, maybe that's the crowd I fit in with. So I started experimenting and doing drugs with my friends. I joined a punk rock band. We would travel all over the place and play punk rock music. And I was living for the world as hard as somebody could live for the world. I did some crazy things in my life. I did some insane things that I don't even feel comfortable sharing with people. Even though God saved me and God got through to me at some point. And when God got through to me, it was when I was 17 years old. My brother, three years older than I, it was just him and I um, as siblings. And so uh, he started dating this girl. He was a lot, he was like the golden child in my house. I was like the rebel. And so he started dating this girl and she was a Christian and she invited him to church and he went to church and he got saved and he got baptized And my mom found out about that through a Facebook post. He didn't tell us. And so she saw that and she says, oh no, my son joined a cult. That's what us Catholics thought. He joined a cult, the weirdos, right? And so she was like, you know, any good parent, go check it out, right? So she went and she's like, uh, she went to church and man, she loved it. She didn't stop going. And I was like, oh no. They got my brother and my mom. What am I supposed to do about this? Uh, and so I didn't like it. I hated it. I was like, you guys are weird for doing this. You know, I was like self-proclaimed atheist. I thought I knew all this stuff. I was living for the world, always intoxicated, hated people. And then my mom invited me to church and I said, no, not doing that. And then she invited me again. I said, nope. And then she invited, and she didn't stop inviting me. Uh, That was at the beginning of the summer in 2009. October comes around, just like this beautiful October morning. My mom wakes me up out of my, you know, inebriated slumber. And she says, Tyler, you need to come to church with me this morning. Uh, And I said, you know what? If I just go this one time, she'll stop asking me. She'll finally stop asking if I just go once. And so I went. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys. It was weird. I didn't like it. They were all excited. Everybody was happy. I don't know, like all was happy stuff. And so the one thing though, you know, I thought it was weird. They had a, funny enough, there was a missionary speaking that day, just like today. And funny enough, um, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, the service that kept me going. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, the the scripture that kept me going. It was the people. Man, the people were so nice to me. You know, some of them probably knew who I was. Some of them probably knew the stuff I was into. But regardless, they were super nice to me. Uh, And that was like an almost an addicting feeling coming from someone who felt like they didn't fit in anywhere. And so I kind of kept going to church. Not every week, you know, off and on. But I I felt that that feeling was kind of addicting, that people were nice to me and they wanted me there. And so I started going to their youth group. I was still doing all the stuff I was doing, still in my punk rock band. But I started learning about the Bible. And I started learning about salvation. And man, I, 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 it, God got a hold of me. Uh, so throughout that entire time, I was in youth group and learning. You know, people had approached me, asked me if I want to get saved. And I'll, I'll get more on that uh, later on. But uh, there was this one time in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, in uh, July of 2010, the very next. So October, first week I went to church. And then in J- July, I, uh, I went to camp with my youth group, and uh, the pastor there, Sean Sears, gave a salvation message, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, during that whole year, my mom accepted Christ as her Savior, and then a few months later, my dad accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, and, and randomly, we were all in a cult, and so not really, <laughs> not really, it's not a cult, but... Uh man God got a hold of our family and um that was uh that's you know kind of my salvation story and so I I uh after that I dropped out of high school uh which is a bad idea if you're a kid in here in high school don't drop out of high school real bad idea just keep going to school but it was a good decision for myself because I was terrible at school and so I uh I I dropped out a month later I got my GED and a few weeks later, actually like the same week I got my GED, I was accepted to Boston Baptist College uh, in Boston where I studied biblical studies. And I was a minor in music because I had no idea what God wanted me to do with my life, but I knew he wanted me to do something, okay? And so I uh, went through my entire college career up into my junior year having no idea what God wanted me to do. So I met my lovely wife, Sarah, at college. She was already on the track to be a missionary. Her minor was missions. Uh, and so we had a missions emphasis week at our college. Missionaries from all over the world came and spoke to us about the amazing things that God does abroad and i said there's no way, no way God wants me to be a foreign missionary right God chooses like you know like straight laced clean shaven, nice, awesome not pizza slice and their middle finger tattooed people to be missionaries. How could he choose me to be a missionary? Uh, well, he did because through that i uh, I said, I said, God, if you want me to be a missionary, tell me where you want me to go right now. You know, don't do that. Don't tell God what to do. But I did. And it worked out a little bit. And uh, the next day, it was announced that our, the trip that we take with our college every year, the only one I was ever going to be able to go on was to Ireland. I said, Ireland? I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I grew up around more Irish people than people in Ireland did. And so... I started looking into Ireland, found out it's the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. Sarah and I, on that trip in Ireland, God called me on the field. God called me to Ireland while I was there. It was an amazing time. We got to go to Germany as well. In the basement of a castle in Germany, Sarah and I started dating again for the last time. And we got married and now we're here, right? Ireland's a dark place. Ireland's a very dark place. And I'm kind of used to that. I'm from the Northeast, right? Very dark place spiritually. It really is. Uh, People don't care to logically assess their faith, right? They just listen to what the rules say. And if they don't follow them, well, they hope they don't spend eternity in purgatory. Something like that. You know, it's a melting pot of culture. Their borders are wide open to immigrants. There's a lot of, a lot of countries represented in Ireland. And, and so those people, they're really kind of displaced. And so they're looking for something. Uh, and so reaching the displaced is fairly easy. I'll say that. Reaching the Irish is not an easy thing. The church that we're going to work with in Trilly has, I'd say probably about 60 people now, which is insane. Right? There's probably a handful of Irish people. Uh, it's all immigrants there, which is amazing. I, I absolutely love that. But my passion is to reach the Irish people because I know exactly what it's like to live as if I just am not as bad as you know, whoever you can compare yourself to that's worse than you. If I'm just not that bad, I'll end up in heaven. And that's not the truth. God's given us a passion for reaching the Irish people. And whatever comes out of that, even if it's just we only reach the immigrants there, that is okay. But there is a passion I have for the Irish people. And so I, every time I go to a church, they're going to be honest, right? And like I said, put yourself in the shoes of these Irish people that think that they could just be good enough. They'd get to heaven, right? And I got to be honest, I don't feel qualified to do that. I don't feel qualified to be a missionary, no, I don't come from the Christian background. I'm a high school dropout. I had a low GPA in college just cuz like I was not very disciplined in doing homework. You know I'm somebody who fails time and time again. I fail. I'm a sinner. And I fail to really honestly meet my own expectations of what a missionary should be, what a missionary should look like. I'm unsure why God chose me, but he did. That's exactly the truth. God chose me to be a missionary. Despite all that stuff. Where honestly, we sometimes doubt exactly what God's called us to do and what we're capable of doing through Christ because we feel unqualified. And so let's put us all in that same category. If I let's all be unqualified for a second here. Let's all put us on the same basis as completely unqualified on our own strength. We are unqualified. Throughout Scripture, there's plenty of examples of men and women in the Bible who were totally unqualified, but God did amazing things. God did amazing things through these people, right? Moses, shout it out if you know it. What was Moses' problem? What made him unqualified? Don't be afraid. Shout it out. He was bad with talking. He was a stutterer. He murdered somebody a murderer. Miriam was a gossip. John Mark was rejected by Paul. David, we have an entire psalm dedicated to David repenting for a major sin of adultery. Gideon and Thomas, they were doubters. Solomon was filthy rich. Elijah was suicidal. Martha was a warrior. Noah got drunk. Jeremiah was honestly way too young to do what he's doing. Abraham was way too old. Peter was terrified of death, and Lazarus, well, Lazarus was literally dead. Uh, And and so God used every single one of those people to do amazing works for him. And so I want to tell you this morning that God is the only qualifier for the unqualified. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I think we have it on the screen here. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at somebody who was totally unqualified, but ended up doing insanely amazing things. For the Lord. Starting in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting net, a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And I think we've heard the story of Peter a lot of times in church, right? Peter is a, a main character, especially in the book of Matthew. Right? Let's look at what he came from. He was a fisherman. This is what we learn right here. When he, called, when he called Peter, he was a fisherman. And fishermen of the first century, man, they were gross. They were gross. They were gruff, unkempt, vile, shabbily dressed. They often used vulgar language. Um, they, they were bad boisterous tempers. Uh, they were like a man's man, you know? They were like a modern-day construction worker or a lineman or an iron worker or something like that. And so if we could have met Peter... When Jesus called him, I think that we would have probably avoided him because the fishermen back then, they probably didn't smell very good, stunk like fish and sweat and grossness. And so Jesus still approaches Peter at his dirtiest, his smelliest. And he says, I'm going to make you fisher of people. Despite his brother, him and his brother's looks, status, or wealth, Jesus approached him. So I want to tell you that Jesus is going to approach You or anybody at any time that he feels is the perfect timing. There's never a time where Jesus is going to approach somebody at the wrong time. There's no need to gather your things before you decide to follow Christ. There's no need. We don't have to have it all together. There's countless times in the Bible where God didn't have them gather their things and make sure all their affairs were in order before following him. No, no. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And what did they say? Straight away they left their nets and followed him. I think often we think that we have to do this or we have to do that before we actually commit ourselves to following Christ. There's one time in youth group when I I was in youth group, man, my youth pastor is an amazing youth pastor. I absolutely love this guy. Huge impact on my life. Um, This was just a few months after I started attending the youth group. And he comes up to me and he's like, man, you are learning a lot. He's like, come in my office. So we go in his office and he's like, he brings me through the Romans road, all these beautiful scriptures about how Jesus died for me and how right now is a good time to, to repent and follow Christ. And it was this beautiful moment between my youth pastor and I. And he says, Tyler, right now in this moment, do you want to pray and be saved? I said, well, can I ask my mom first? I thought I, had it all, I thought I had to have it all together first. Me and my mom have a great relationship, still do. And I thought I had to get her permission to do something like that. So let me talk to my mom. I was scared. I didn't think I was ready for that. And I figured, you know, at the very least, I had to stop doing something. I had to stop smoking. I had to stop drinking. I had to stop doing something before I followed Christ. That's not the truth. Don't wait for the right timing. There's no better time than literally right now to repent and follow Christ. We're not promised tomorrow. You know things in our world are getting real bad. Not that they haven't been bad for two thousand years or its entire existence, but you know the fall affects everybody. In the blink of an eye, we could be you know we could be looking at our eternity. It could be right in front of you. Don't put it off. Don't think you have to do X, Y, and Z to follow Christ. Because it's just not the case. He wants you right now. Jesus approached Peter at his dirtiest, that smelly, sweaty fisherman. He said, get up and follow me. They dropped their nets and followed him. They didn't bathe first. They didn't work on their personalities first. They didn't clean up their language. They simply acted on a a call to follow Christ and did it. What's the number one prerequisite for being saved? You gotta be a sinner. You gotta be unqualified. You gotta be unqualified first. So what does that even mean? What is being saved? What does that, you know, we use in church world, we use what what, what people call Christianese. It's like our own little language. You have all these key words we use. I think that's good sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. I didn't know what being saved was at all when I was in youth group. They kept saying it. I'm like, I don't know what that means. What do you mean being saved? You know, Tell me what it means. Well, I think Peter gives us a perfect example of what being saved means and the act of doing that. Later on in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples about his identity. Starting in verse 13. Of Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do you say that Son of Man? So Jesus is like, Who are you guys telling people that I am? Right? You've been following me for probably close to two and a half, three years now. Who are you telling people that I am? Or who do people say that I am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or just one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think that's exactly when you start your walk with Christ, is when you realize that Jesus is exactly who he said that he is. When Peter correctly identified who Jesus was, Jesus then identifies who Peter is. Look what it says. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And so what changed in that moment is not who Peter was physically, and really not even personally, His view of who he was changed. Jesus said he was the rock, and suddenly Peter could see the man that he really was. And that confession that Peter makes, that's the quintessence of salvation. That's your beginning walk with Christ, is realizing that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has come to take your sin, the son of the living God. So who do you say that Jesus is? If somebody comes up and asks you, who do you say that Jesus is? You know, we can come up with all the words in the world to give an answer, but I think the simple answer of Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. It's life's biggest question. People ask it all the time. Knowing God is paramount to finding out exactly why he made you and what he made you to do and who he means you to be, who he means for you to be. Realizing who Christ is, suddenly Peter, what is Jesus he qualifies in? Suddenly, he's the rock, right? Upon that confession, he's going to build his church. Suddenly, Peter, unqualified Peter, is qualified, not on his own strength, but through what he just said by admitting that Jesus is the Christ, son of the living God. He realized that it's not his own strength that he relies on, but Christ's strength. And so I want you to do me a favor and stop talking about who you are not and what you can't do and start listening to what God says about your life. Stop labeling yourself and start letting God do whatever he wants through you because you're covered by the blood. You're not relying on your own strength. You don't have to have it all together to follow Christ. A lot of people will say, I can't do it on my own. Well, good, join the club. Nobody can do it on their own. That's the whole point of Jesus Backtrack a little bit to Matthew chapter 14. This is a long day Jesus just had in this passage. Long day, he, he feeds the 5,000, does this amazing miracle with the five loaves of bread and two fish. Feeds 5,000 men, right? It's, just, but it's the men and their families too, so we're talking a lot of people. Starting in verse 22, immediately after that, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of, ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he sent the crowds away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter, our main character of today's sermon. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if that's you, if that is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus, and he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt when they got in the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You truly are the Son of God. Just a little tidbit about the end of this. You truly are the Son of God, they said to him after he calms the storm. I mean, did they not just watch him feed 5,000 people? I just think that that's crazy. They were like, Oh, this does it. We watched you do all these miracles, but this is the one. That's crazy to me. In this passage, I think we have a perfect example of what it is like to follow Christ. Perfect example, right? Jesus, he's walking on the water. Why was Jesus walking on the water? Just like the chicken, to get to the other side. And the disciples, they're freaking out because they think it's a ghost. And Peter, that loudmouth Peter, he says, if that's really actually you, I mean, who else is it going to be? Let me come out on the water with you. And mind you, this is a huge, really bad storm they have in the Sea of Galilee because the wind comes sweeping down the mountains. They're not in some big ship. They're in this little tiny paddle boat, maybe a little sail on there. And so this this is a dangerous storm. They could die. They could drown. The boat could capsize. They could die in this. Peter says, if that's you, Jesus, let me come out and walk in the water. And Jesus says, yeah, come on out here. And in a moment of pure faith, faith is the only thing that is driving Peter right now. He steps out of the boat, begins to walk on water with Christ. His eyes, they're so fixated on the Lord, nothing's gonna stop Peter. He's walking on water. He's doing his own miracle. All of a sudden, he breaks his concentration. He becomes terrified. He sees that the wind is bad. The waves, are crashing around him, and he loses focus on exactly why he's even on the water in the first place. And he begins to sink. And so I think that we, that's exactly what it's like when we begin this relationship with Jesus. We're excited. We have this flame in us. But then life happens, right? Life happens to all of us. We break our concentration. We begin to sink. We let life get in the way. We sin. We mess up. We have what Jesus calls little faith. Let me ask you a question Does Jesus let Peter drown and die? Absolutely not. He reaches down and he picks him up out of the water. When we fail in our walk with Jesus, it does not unqualify you. We were already unqualified. When you mess up, when you sin, when you have that little faith, why are you so down on yourself? You weren't qualified in the first place. You should look at what Jesus has done for you and that should be the thing that drives you to repent and not live the same way you're living and not keep doing that same sin. Don't rely on your own strength. I don't rely on my own strength. It's not your strength that we rely on. We're already unqualified. It's Christ's strength that we, that we rely on and that qualifies us. If we rely and put our faith in the one person in this entire existence of this earth who was qualified, um I think that we too are through that qualified. Philippians 4.13. This is like, I call these refrigerator magnet verses, right? They're they're verses that you take, you you rip it out of context a little bit, put it on a magnet, throw it on your verse, or you throw it on your refrigerator. Like, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You put that in your kitchen. Uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You tattoo it on you and get in the UFC ring and think that Jesus is gonna help you win a UFC fight. Well, I don't think that that's the truth. I don't think that's at all what Paul is saying in this passage. Does, does having the strength in Christ that I can do all things, does that mean that I can go up on this balcony, jump off head first, hit the ground, and be totally fine? Well, probably not. Well, definitely not, actually. Does it mean I can go to the casino, put it all on black, and win a million dollars? No. Absolutely not. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, regardless of the circumstances that you're in, you're not supposed to rely on your own strength, but Christ's. And you can do all things to serve God and his church through Christ who gives you strength. Peter was unqualified. But look at the amazing things that Peter ended up doing. Through Christ's strength and not his own Who preached the word at the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved? That was Peter. He healed many people and performed many miracles in the book of Acts. Peter was entrusted with bringing the gospel to the people in Rome, where he would meet his ultimate demise. Through the strength of Christ, Peter went from that dirty, poor, stinky fisherman to a bold preacher of the gospel like I said at the beginning, I feel unqualified to be a missionary. Well, guess what? I am. But Jesus qualifies me. Jesus is qualified. That's the strength that I rely on. We are totally unqualified on our own strength to serve God and his church. But through Christ, we can do all things. And so take that step. Offer your time and resources to the Lord He's not gonna disappoint you. When you follow Christ, and if you're disappointed in in something that God does, man, you're the first person in history who's ever been let down by God. Don't miss out on the opportunity that God has in front of you by thinking two different ways, right? By thinking that you either have it all together, you can just be good enough, or thinking that you, you, you don't have anything to offer God, and therefore you can't follow him. Well, no, that's not the case. Follow God regardless. So what can you even do with Christ's strength? We can live no matter the circumstances. We can serve God no matter what state we're in. We are in. Right? How does this random, punk, druggy, punk rocker kid from New England have it, end up having a, a passion for ministry abroad in the Irish people, right? Not at all through my own strength. It's through Christ who gives me strength. So I challenge you this morning when we talk about missions, when, this month that you, I'm, I'm sure you're having more missionaries in. When you think about missionaries and what foreign missions even is, think about it in the context that that God sends people out through, through His Son, and through that strength. And then think about what you can do. And what are you to do with that information that you are not qualified? But Christ is, and if we rely on that, you can pray boldly for missions. You can come boldly before the throne of grace and pray for missionaries and pray about being a missionary. Nobody, nobody is bad enough to not be called by God. Nobody is bad enough to not be called by God. Don't sell yourself too short. But especially, don't sell Jesus short. He can do amazing things through you. Pray about it. Pray, give, go. You've probably heard that a thousand times. Pray for missionaries. Give to missionaries. and Go visit your missionaries. Go on the field. See what they're doing. See where your, your resources and your prayer, see what it's been doing. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you can, you've, you've qualified us through your son. God, thank you for giving us salvation. God, thank you for giving me personally a passion for the lost in Ireland. God, I just pray this morning that you would work in every heart in this room, God, that they would want to follow you regardless of their circumstances, God. That they could realize that it is Christ's strength they need to rely on and not their own. God, we pray for missionaries all over the world, especially ones in the conflict in the Middle East right now, God. Help them to spread the gospel like wildfire because people need it. Praise things in your name. Amen.